0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. People, I'm Black Panther, just want to say. I mean, I might be struggling a little bit with the skin tone and everything, but I want to be the hero in the story. And that's why these stories are told, so that we can find ourselves in the stories. And then sometimes we'll see a story with a protagonist and an antagonist and the good guy and the bad guy. Then sometimes we might actually see, oh, I might be more like the bad guy than the good guy. I don't want to be the bad guy. And there's all of these life and moral lessons that we can learn um, from stories. Then just a different way sometimes as somebody hears, here's exactly what you need to do and here's the laws you need to follow. But we can glean so many different things from the stories that we tell. And, you know, a lot of the stories that I have uh, for me growing up have a lot to do with sports. Played a lot of sports. And, you know, sometimes you might remember, you know, a championship that you might win. And you can tell those stories of the glory days of the past. And, the, babe, you know, I have a lot of glory days. And I did a lot of sports. She doesn't care. She just wants me to do the dishes. Um <laughs> But there's one story. I remember uh, one year when I played hockey, organized hockey, I think it was my last year I played organized hockey for like seven or eight years. Um, I think I was like 13 or 14 years old. And the team that I was on this year was really good. We went through the whole regular season undefeated. So we headed, uh, went into the playoffs, and there was just two rounds in the playoffs. You know, uh, first plays four and two, plays three, and then the winner of that round plays in the championship. So we swept Uh, The fourth seed in the first round of the playoffs, we went off into the championship round. We won the first game of the championship round. And then, you know, a little bit of time went by and it was a little bit unusual for us because usually we were playing at least uh, two games a week. So about a week went by and we didn't hear about game two. And then we found out a little bit later that our coach had got drunk one night and the league told him when the game was and he forgot and didn't tell us. So we didn't actually show up for game two. The other team showed up. We weren't there. We had to forfeit. So we went into game three, winner take all. We hadn't lost all season, one to one. So this game went to double overtime. Can you feel it, people? There's tension in the room. <laughs> double overtime, sudden death. So we're there, we're playing. We had so many chances. We were exhausted, double overtime overtime. The other team uh, was crossing the red line in the center. The defenseman just went to shoot the puck in, just to dump it in. Our goalie missed it. They scored. We lost. Still hurts to tell this. <laughs> I fell on the ice, just started crying. We hadn't lost all year. Now, I tell you that story because there are some lessons in that story. Is The first one is don't get drunk because you forget important things. Second one is, you can't win on your reputation. You have to play to the final whistle and you have to stay. And there's a lot, we could do a lot of sports colloquial expressions. And my my wife loves to watch the sports news with me because she just thinks athletes say all of the same things after the game. I'm like, babe, you don't understand. It's specific to this game. Even though you think you've heard it a thousand times, it's nuanced. (laughs) And she just thinks it all sounds the same. But we can learn lessons from all the stories in our life. And specifically, the teaching of Jesus should have a great import to us. And we should look at the scriptures and not miss the things that Jesus is teaching us in the Gospels and specifically in the parables. So parables are all about comparison. In other words, telling us a story so that we will learn some sort of life truth, spiritual truth or kingdom of God truth. And Jesus did this over and over again. Now, depending on how you count them and uh, which theologian you read after, there is somewhere between 28 and 61 parables. And once again, theologians define them different ways. Sometimes they would say that they need to be longer and shorter. But all of these different uh, figures of speech, analogies, uh, narratives, similes, metaphors, all these different things, there is somewhere between 28 and 61. And we can look and see these things in the Gospels and learn and try to understand what Jesus is teaching them. So we can have a historical interpretation, that we can have a literary interpretation of what Jesus is telling us. And as what we can see, just some general principles that we are going to see in these parables, that we'll see a revelation of God, that we will see something about exemplary behavior. We'll see something about wisdom. We'll see something about life before God. We can read things about final judgment. We can read things about human uh, human conduct and practical application. And then we'll see a lot of things about The kingdom of God as we read through these parables and what's important as we think about reading the parables and as I encourage you to do um, read through the gospels because then we can see the teaching of Jesus because then we'll have the epistles that follow up the letters to the church everything after Matthew Mark Luke and John and what those writers are doing are they're expanding on the teaching of Jesus but many times we can read through a parable or if you've grown up in church you can read about a parable and sometimes we gloss over it and we maybe don't slow down and try to understand what Jesus was trying to teach it. Because once again, these words just become familiar to us and we can kind of miss out the importance of what Jesus is teaching. So the disciples asked Jesus one day specifically, why are you teaching like this Jesus? So let's read about it here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 says this. And the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Great question. Verse 11, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Now that word secrets can be like mysteries. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, kind of synonymous terms in the gospels. So Jesus is telling us the reason that he's teaching in parables is that there's um, an underlying truth in the parable. There's a secret in there. And if we don't stop and know what the secret is or what the mystery is, then it's just sort of a story about, you know, being a farmer. Or it's a story about a kingdom. And it's a story about a king. And it's a story about some family. And then we don't slow down to try to understand the truth that's trying to be taught or conveyed in these verses. Let's continue reading. Verse 12 says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about understanding. That if we understand what is being taught, when we have understanding, more is given to us. But if we don't have understanding, we almost lose understanding what we already have because we're not slowing down and trying to understand what's being taught verse 13 this is why i speak to them in parables though seeing they do not see though hearing they do not understand in them is fulfilled the prophecy of isaiah you will ever be hearing but never understand you will be ever seeing but not perceiving so jesus is not so much saying that when we hear the parables it's not just something we're going to hear With our physical ears, he's referring to our spiritual ears or that we would actually understand what's being taught, that we would be able to perceive and understand the truth that's being conveyed in the parable that Jesus is teaching us. What does this actually mean? What is the import of what he's trying to tell us? Because he's saying, hey, if we understand it, more will be given to us. But if we don't understand it, it's like it gets taken away from us. Now, is it that God doesn't want people to understand? Is it that God is holding revelation uh, from some people and giving extra revelation to others? No, let's continue reading and see what he says. It says, verse 15, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Verse uh, 34 of the same chapter, it says this, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet, meaning from the Old Testament. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus is teaching us things and then he actually not just wants us to hear with our physical ears. He actually wants us to hear with our hearts, so to speak. And then hear and then understand. Perceive what's being taught. Not just gloss it over. And, th- and that's what I would say too about Bible reading that's so very important. You know, it's very easy for all of us to get into a habit of thinking, well, I gotta, I gotta read, you know, one or two chapters or five chapters and we quantify it that way. Or I'm gonna read, you know, one book of the Bible and, and I'm gonna get through it, so to speak. And then sometimes we, we, we think that just having, you know, a bunch of extra data coming on, on us that we'll learn more. But if we don't actually slow down And hear what's being said, we kind of miss out on the things that are being taught. Because Jesus is saying it's just very easy for us to become calloused. And sadly, a lot of times, it's Christians. As those of us that say we follow Jesus, uh, once again, the words just become very familiar to us, so we gloss over them. We don't slow down and hear what's being said. So that's the purpose of this series. That we're going to slow down a little bit, and we're going to try to understand... What Jesus is teaching us so that we can understand about the kingdom of God, that we can understand about life, what Jesus is trying to teach us. So, in this uh, specific chapter, which I recommend, is something that you can put on your note page. Um, Matthew chapter 13 has seven different parables in the one chapter. So, it's a great chapter just to start with, just to go back and read. Matthew 13, man, and see what these parables are saying and what is the intent of what Jesus is teaching. And a lot of what we see in this chapter has to do with, I mean, he's he's giving us the example of planting seeds. Now, I'm not much of a planter of seeds, as I told you many times, you know, my wife uh, does a lot of these different things. And, you know, the only thing that I think I planted was like in a styrofoam cup, like in grade seven or something. And I planted it and then we got a plant. Um, I'm not sure that I learned a lot about that. But Jesus uses seeds so many different times, but he's not just using seeds so that we can be better farmers, that he's using uh, this parable or this analogy or this metaphor so that we can understand something about life. So let's read today uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, and we'll talk about one of these parables that's found in here. And it starts in verse 34, sorry, verse 31. And he says this, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And it is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and has become a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So Jesus is teaching us here something obviously about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He's showing us this how we should be operating within the context of our relationship with God. And the first thing he says, he talks about seeds, mustard seed. In other words, a seed that's very small, that eventually will produce something very large. And this is a a way we need to think about life. That the seed, and and what we would understand from this same chapter, and then also from Mark chapter 4 and other different places, that the seeds... That we see described here. Jesus is teaching us that it's about the word of God. The word of God is the thoughts of God. The ways of God. The principles of God. And then he says even though it's a small seed. It's a small thought. We can plant it in our lives. And then eventually it's going to grow up. Or I'm going to grow up. That I, I'm not actually going to say, stay the same. And this is the way the kingdom of God works. Or this is the way God wants us to function or to be in life, that words are going to be coming our direction, that there's going to be uh, thoughts coming in the form of seeds. In other words, it's really small and they're going to show up and they're going to be planted in my life. And then over a period of time, not tomorrow, not not necessarily the next day, you know, my my wife has planted uh, seeds, you know, in our garden. Immediately after she plants them and she waters them, I never see her standing over them and be like, where are you? What do we know about seeds? When we plant them and they start to grow, what happens? It's going to take time. It's going to take time for that seed to become what it was intended to be as we plant it the same way with the will and the thoughts and the plans of God. Well, how do they start out? They start out really small, and then they grow. And then what happens when they grow? The, the soil changes, and then the seed becomes something else. So that means, for me, I become something else. You know, the scripture says, I am the Lord God, I change not. God doesn't change, but that doesn't apply to us. We do. God is wanting us to constantly change, to constantly grow. And for us to grow... That's what has to happen. I can't stay the same. I can't, I can't think the same. I can't act the same. I can't talk the same. Why? Because I've grown up. If you ever, uh, you, th- you know, some of you aren't even 20 years old in this room, but if you think about yourself 20 years ago, you should not be talking the same and acting the same. What happened? Well, in a measure, you grew up, right? And how did you grow up? Well, you changed. You used to think a certain way. Maybe you had some childish thoughts and maybe you had some immaturity in certain areas. And then what happened? Well, you got some thoughts and they were small and there were some ideas and then that grew and then you thought about it again and then you watered it with more thoughts and maybe some prayer time. And then what happens? It grows over a period of time. So we never want to get impatient with our growth, spiritual growth or any other type of growth, that it is going to take time. But what do we have to do? We have to regard that seed. We have to think that that seed, that thought, that idea, is very important, and it's going to be different things for different ones of us because where we're going is not all of the same place. For, for my own life, you know, uh, uh, when I was in my teens, I there were a lot of I went. I've been in church a lot. Um, I've been in a lot of. I've been in more church services than you. Trust me. I've been in a lot of church services and then we, I would be in a lot of church services and, you know, or there would be a preacher there and a famous preacher. And and sometimes they would say things over to me in a, in a over me in a church service and, you know, related to things that I'm going to do or maybe in the back room, you know, with my dad, they would tell me stuff. And I just got to be honest with you people. When I was 16, I didn't care about any of it. I didn't care who said it or what they said or what they thought I was going to do or what I was going to accomplish. I had my whole exit plan. You understand? I had an exit plan for out of my family, out of the church. I certainly never had plans to do this. But what was happening? There were there were seeds being sown in my life, long time ago, thirty years ago, more than thirty years ago. And even though the heart of uh, the soil of my heart in those moments wasn't uh, the most conducive to God's thoughts it started out really, really small, really, really small. And then it started to grow into something else. And then amazingly enough, one day I ended up at Bible school, which you would have never had I never expected to go to Bible school. I didn't want to go to Bible school. I was not that excited about the ministry. I had grown up in the ministry. I've seen the seedy underbelly of the ministry. I've seen people treated me too well and too poorly just because my dad was my dad i'm like this is the stupidest thing you shouldn't treat me any type of way because my dad is my dad and so i was done with it can i emphasize that enough to you i was done with the whole thing but for the specific call of god in my life which won't be the same as the call of god on your life god was planting seeds in my heart and these things started to grow and my thoughts started to change and I can boldly say about 30 years later, it took a while for me. I think I'm actually called to be a pastor. <laughs> but it the, the, the started out small. It started out as a seed. And this is the way we need to think about the thoughts that come our way. Either through the word of God or through conversation or through ideas. And this is how I would describe it. If there's certain thoughts about your future that intrigue you. You know, there's certain things, there's certain seed that come your way. Well, that's not for me and that's not for me. But if there's certain things that come your way about your business, about your marriage, about uh, raising children. All these different things that you might see in your life. It kind of shows up and there's there's something special about the seed of that thought. That thought has to become important to you. Why? Because what's going to happen is that thought is going to grow up and it's going to start really small. But in the end, what did we read there? It's actually going to help other people. So the seed that God started with you maybe now or maybe five years ago or 10 or 20 years ago or wherever it might be, God put something, a seed on the inside of you, a thought so that it would grow up. That you would grow up. That you would change. That you wouldn't stay the same. This is the whole idea of this parable. So this is something that we need to be interested in. Not staying the same. Not think this is the way I think. This is the only thing I know. And this is, this is my job. And this is my life. No, that all of it needs to be, oh, I'm in this. I'm in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, God is growing something up on the inside of me. He's maturing me. He's growing me up in certain ways so that eventually someone else can be blessed by the seed that was sown in my life many years ago. And this is all of our stories. God plants seeds, it starts small and it grows, and eventually it benefits others. It changes me, it's gradual it's a small beginning with a bigger and better ending but it takes time doesn't happen overnight we don't stand over the seed and yell grow 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 no it's sown and then there's water and then there's sun and then there's a day and then there's a week and then there's a month and then there's a year and these things are growing and changing us mark chapter four same idea Verse 26, he also said, what is the kingdom of God like? A man scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts up and grows, though he does not know how. He doesn't know how. Like if you were to ask my 16-year-old self today, which you can't do, I don't know how I got here. Because this wasn't what I was expecting to do. But this is what the word of God is like. It grows up. It changes me. And I don't know exactly how God changes me. He does. This is what God does. God changes human hearts. He does things. He changes us. He's uh, putting certain things away and he's wanting other things to grow up. Verse 28 All by itself, the soil produces grain. The first, the stalk, then the here, then the the head, and then the full kernel in the head. So what is this? This is progress. Not everything in one day. You're not going to understand everything in one day. You're not going to get to the final place, your final day in one day. No, it's going to be progress. It's going to be change over time. But what is the parable? We're going to keep sowing seeds. So we want to sow good seeds. We want to sow seeds from god's thoughts the culture has lots of thoughts for you and those seeds are coming our way all of the time but how many know that every thought is not worth thinking every thought is not worth thinking thoughts that come from the culture and here's what your destiny is and here's what you should do and blah 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 and all these different things we have to be discerning about what seeds that we're going to allow to take root in our lives because we want god's plans it's going to take time. It's going to grow. It's going to change us. Verse 29. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is not a botany lesson. This is about sowing thoughts of God in my life so that they'll grow up and they'll be a harvest. There'll be a harvest from things that start as thoughts. And that's why, just like we just talked about, is what you're thinking about the harvest that you want? Ask yourself that question. What I'm thinking about today and what I'm meditating on and what I'm rolling around in my mind Is that ultimately who I want to be? Am I making myself the hero in the story or the loser in the story? The the person that messes up their life based on what they thought about and what they did. No, I want to be the hero in the story. I want to be the person that triumphs over evil. Are you with me today? This is why Jesus teaches us in parables. He's giving us a narrative He's showing us a narrative of what we should be playing in our hearts and our minds. Because seeds grow up. They start small, but they end up with a big harvest. And we want a big, good harvest. We want a godly harvest. We don't want a harvest from the world or from the enemy. To distinguish between those good thoughts and those things that we shouldn't think about anymore. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus uses this seed idea or this small seed idea in a very different way. Let's read about it here in Matthew 17 verse 14. It says this, and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So they this guy had uh, his son, basically what we'd probably say, he had epilepsy. And so they're bringing, he's bringing him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything. So he's now uh, bringing them, uh, bringing his son to Jesus. And then verse 17, and Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Just, so in this moment, Jesus is not so happy with his disciples, is he? He's like, you have zero faith. You don't have any faith. Bring the child to me. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So they had this moment and this great healing happened. Everybody's celebrating. And then afterwards, the disciples were alone with Jesus and they're like, Jesus, what's the problem? What is wrong with us? Why couldn't we do this? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered like my dad answers. Hey, dad, what about this? And he's like, well, in 1974, Jesus answers with a parable. He says, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you. So that's the answer why they can do it because of their little faith or no faith, as he said previously. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed. Same analogy now, same parable. And what was he saying before? Well, the grain of mustard seed is going to be like a, a small thought that it's, that it's going to grow up and it's going to change your life and it's going to change your destiny and then it's going to produce for other people. And now he's comparing faith to a grain of mustard seed. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So is Jesus telling us in this story that we can actually move a physical mountain? No, he's not. See, people ask you the question, do you read the Bible literally? No, you need to read it literarily. The figure of speech that Jesus is showing us, a metaphor here, that if, and he's using the example of faith. And he's using mountain as something that would be in your way. He's not actually saying that you can stand in front of a big pile of dirt and move it with your faith. You can't. If you're not sure, you can try it. It's not going to happen. You're not like drive up to Blue Mountain tomorrow and you could stand there all day long. It's not moving. He's giving us an example. He's giving us a parable. What is the parable? Parable. What is the idea? This mountain is in my way. This mountain could be anything. This, this could be uh, something that's slowing you down. This could be something that's blocking you in your marriage. It could be something that you're facing physically or in your finances. It's in your way. It's something you have to go around or over or through. How are we going to go around or through or over the mountains in our life? How are we going to do it? What is Jesus teaching us here with this uh, grain of mustard seed? Well, he tells us that it's faith. What is faith? Faith is trust in God. Full, complete reliance on God. So what are we going to do? How are we going to move the proverbial mountain how are we going to go around it? How are we going to go through it? How are we going to go over it? How are we going to deal with this challenge? With the challenge that I have right now in my life. Jesus is saying, same idea. If you have just a little bit of faith. Faith like a grain of mustard seed. If you have enough faith just to say, you know what God, I put my trust in you well, I don't have faith like so-and-so preacher. I don't have faith like so-and-so person who's been saved for 50 years and has been in church forever. Jesus is telling us you don't actually need that much faith. How much faith do you need? You just need a little bit. And obviously that little bit is more than what the disciples had previous in this story. Just a little bit of faith that says, God, I put my trust in you. God, I trust you. Here's this thing, this mountain, this thing blocking my way, this difficulty, this struggle. How am I going to go around it, go through it, go over it? I'm going to put my trust in God. Well, how much faith do I need? Do I need to go to a class? Do I need to go to Bible school? Jesus said, you just need a little bit. A little bit of faith can produce big results. A little seed that we would sow can produce big results in our life. It changes me. It changes my destiny. It changes the destiny of other other people. Because the seed that's sown in my life. This is how life works. This is how the kingdom of God works. This is how God wants us to work, function in the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says this. For if the gospel, uh, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. By faith. By my trust in God. I'm not living by the mountains. Well, the mountains are here. And, oh, I've got to change all of my plans and I've got to do all of this. No, I'm going to live by faith in God, not faith in mountains. Mountains... Not actual mountains, proverbial mountains. Something that's blocking my way, they move. Why? Because I put my trust in God. God is calling us to live by faith, by our trust in Him. When do we live? This has nothing to do with church services. This has to do with the life that I live every day, that God is calling us. He's showing us. He's teaching us that the righteous live by how much faith do I need? Just a little bit. But what is Jesus telling us to do? He's telling us to do something with our faith, to use the faith that we have. In other words, if I've got just a little bit of faith in God, I can move this mountain. So God is wanting us to operate in life by putting our trust in God. So when we come up to a mountain, It's like, oh my, this. Look, can you believe this? Can you believe that this thing happened? Can you believe this difficulty? Can you believe this struggle? Here we go again. Instead of having that as our response, what should our response be? Even if we just have a little bit of faith, there should be a little smile that shows up on your faith, on your face. And then what is it? What are you saying? Well, I've got a little bit of faith. What I'm going to do with this mountain is I am going to trust God. And the same thing we learned from the other story. is: Do things happen overnight? Do things, oh, I plant the seed in the ground and then oh, I see results right away. No, they take time. Well, how much time? Doesn't matter, does it? Does it actually matter how much time? You just need to do the thing that Jesus has taught us to do. And what is it? Even if you have faith, like a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith, I I'm going to put my trust in God I don't care how long it takes I don't care how long it takes For me to grow For me to change For the situation to change I'm putting my faith in God I'm going to keep sowing seeds I'm going to keep using the seed of my faith By putting my trust in God Every day Every day Big mountains Little hills I trust God Big situations, small situations, I don't know what to do, blah, 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 whatever, whatever is come your way. What are we going to do? What is Jesus telling us to do? He's not just teaching us about plants. He's saying this is how you should operate in life. I trust God. I put my trust in God. I'm going to allow my faith in God to change the circumstances. I'm going to put my trust in God for this. Not just what I can do. Because what what I can do is not enough. But what God can do is more than enough. Putting my trust in Him. My faith in Him. My hope in Him. One, One definition of faith is just like relying on God. In other words, just sort of leaning back on God. Trusting Him. You know, one of the seed thoughts that we need to think about on a constant basis is this idea of, you know what? I am a child of God. I'm God's very own child. God loves me. The scripture says that God is no respecter of persons. So the things that we've seen that other people have accomplished by faith, it's not that God loves them more than me. God loves us all the same. And if God loves us all the same, that means God loves me. You know what? And when you think about that and you water that thought and you think about that and you water that thought, man, that changes how you think about life. Because when you run into a mountain, who actually cares what the mountain is? God loves me. God cares about me. God is interested in my life. Parents, are you interested in your children's lives, in their future, in helping them? Are you out there? Any parents? Any grandparents? Are you interested in your children? How much more is God then interested in all of us? Not letting mountains block our lives, block our future, block our family. And so what do we do? We put our faith in God. Amen. I am a child of God. I am God's child. He loves me. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your word today. God, we constantly place the seed of your thoughts in our hearts. So that you can grow us up, that you can change us, that you can move us to the future that you want for us. God, and we will be patient. We will be patient, Lord, to allow these things to grow in our lives. The things that you see for us, the things that you say for us. God, we allow that to grow up and to change us. God, and we purpose to use the faith that we have in our hearts for you the things that are holding us back the things that are blocking us Lord they aren't bigger than you we put our trust in you God and forgive us for worrying about the timing God we put our trust in you every day regardless of how long it takes from this day to the end of our lives we put our trust in you we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.